also want to let you know, uh, if you ever listen to podcasts, you can find our church's preaching on iTunes. You can go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast. It'll give you just the preaching and the teaching section. We leave out the music for the podcast. If you don't like iTunes, you have a different podcast uh, feed. Use it. Um, it's a real blessing to you. You know, sometimes you hear something, you want to hear it again, or you want to get it into your mind. Uh, even this morning, reading my Bible reading, I read it once. Then I had uh, whoever the, I think Alexander Scorby, read it to me as I read it again, then read it again. I just wanted to get it in my mind and not just skim over it. Amen? So we encourage you, uh, look for New Testament Christian Church, Pastor Devonshire in iTunes. You can find it there. Subscribe to it. Listen to it. It'll be a blessing to you. I want to read to you from the book of Mark, chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do? that I may inherit eternal life. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, that means lie, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And Come, take up the cross, and follow me. Verse 21 for my text. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. I want to preach to you this morning with the help of God on a message entitled, A Proven Love. A Proven Love. Let us pray. Reverend Hill, sir, would you please pray over our message and messenger this morning. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Glad for each one here this morning. Make a, maybe a quick correction. Um, my wife sent out a text yesterday. I followed up. I was correcting some of the things. There was a deal that happened and uh, signed it. Sister D, that was Pastor D for Sister D. Amen. If you got the text, you know what I'm talking about. If not, no big deal. So now that you got that out of the way, I can preach. Amen. I've got one of the most exciting things in the world to share with you this morning. Something that if you let it and you steep in it, 
You let it become a part of you. It should and could transform your life. And that is this very simple fact. God loves you. God loves you. And you probably don't need it up there, but I think they have it back there. If you want to put John 3.16, it says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we find the very outset of this verse, a very simple truth. God so loved. And this is the best best truth you could hear all day. But I need to emphasize it and reiterate it to you this morning. Because the word love has been watered down. Sometimes people will say something like, man, I love brownies. That's not the love we're talking about, amen? They'll say, I love the St. Louis blues. That's not the love we're talking about. Or even sometimes in relationships, people will use the word love to manipulate. There may be a young man that says to a young woman, I love you because he's wanting to get intimate with her. There may be a woman that says to a young man, I love you because he's wanting, she's wanting to spend some of his money. Help me out this morning, amen. If you hear truth, say amen, right? That's it. That's it. (laughs) You're laughing because you know it's true. That's all right. God loves you. And people say that they love chocolate or they love somebody only for manipulation. But in God's instance, when God says he loves us, he means it. His love is so real, so genuine, so dependable and authentic that we never need to question or doubt it. When God speaks it, he means it. Now, when everything's good in your life and God says, I love you, that's great. And perhaps at that moment it's easier to accept it. Because in your own heart, everything's going good. I haven't been a dirty dog. I, and in your mind, you're saying this. You don't say it out loud, but, well, I deserve the love. Because I've been a good boy or a good girl. But I want you to know... That if you have sinned and find yourself far from God, God loves you. I want you to know if you have failed him and sit in a puddle of your own filthiness and failures, God loves you. I want you to know if you have let him down and your family and yourself, God loves you. We have been taught if someone is toxic, leave them alone. You'll never change them. They will always be bad news. Aren't you glad that God doesn't do that with us? Because if we would have to be truthful, we'd have to say that in this relationship between us and God, we've been toxic. We've made promises that we didn't come through to. Amen. We said that we were going to not do that anymore, and we did it. We have hurt our relationship with God, and yet God did not just give up on us. God did not just uh, say, I'm through with you. I'm going to find somebody else, but God continues to love us. All the things that we despise, 
and find distasteful in others. We have been towards God. And yet, He loves us. We have been duplicitous, deceiving, manipulative, and yet He loves us. We have been selfish, self-centered, and self-serving, and yet He loves us. We have been arrogant, proud, and conceited, and yet He loves us. Now, I'm going to get to the other part, but I want, I want to emphasize this because maybe in your mind you're already thinking, well, are you meaning that since God loves us no matter what we're doing, that it's a free pass to heaven? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm trying to give hope to some of you who think you've gone too far. I'm trying to give hope to some of you and speak faith to some of you to understand that even though you've messed up and you know you've messed up and you've got no one else to blame, there's still a God that says, I know all about it. But if you come to me, I love you. I can help you. All the things that we despise in others, we've done towards God and yet he loves us. We've been driven, moved, like this man. You see, in our Bible reading, we find a man that has all the things we think would be necessary for happiness. He's got youth. And those of us who are older wish we could go back sometimes. At least shave off 10 or 20 or 30 years. Start again. Maybe we do things differently. He's got youth. He's got money. Bible said he was rich. And again, we think, man, if we just had enough money, money can buy happiness. Now, that might not be true, but poverty is not so, no, uh, not so cool either. Amen? <laughs> he seemed to be a driven individual. He was a ruler. He had authority over others. And that, yet, though he had youth and though he had money and though he had authority, he still recognized within himself something was missing. And that was a sign of God's grace and God's love. Because God could have let him become consumed in himself. God could have let him come, become consumed in his business and, and his money. And yet God, through his grace and mercy by the Holy Ghost, planted that seed that something's not quite right. Yes, people jump when you snap. And yes, you can buy your way out of most troubles. And yes, you still got your youth. And perhaps because you've got your youth and money, you are the toast of the town among the women. And yet there's something on the inside that says, Something not, is not right. That, my friend, is the grace of God. And in that grace of God that happened not just to the rich young ruler, but to us, we recognize there's something that needs to change. There's something that needs to be different. He was driven, hard-hearted, cold-hearted, empty-hearted. And yet, God loved him. He was guilty and greedy, and yet Jesus loved him. He was grouchy and grungy spiritually, and yet Jesus loved him. And I use those words because don't you find yourself there sometimes? Waking up in the morning, just kicking the cat and, and wondering why. My, I think it was my wife said she kicked something this morning. Kicked the tree or something. She's got the Christmas decorations out. We, we got some of them done, not everything yet. Don't hold it against us, amen? She kicked it, and I said, well, that's why they call it mistletoe, amen? 
Even the self-awareness that we need to improve or to change or to do something comes from God. And what a shame it is when people become oblivious to themselves. And they no longer want to admit the fact, I need to change. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a preacher or a preacher's wife. It doesn't matter if you've been around 20 years, 20 minutes, 20 days. It doesn't matter. There should be this realization that no matter where I am in God, there's room to grow. No matter where I am in God, God wants me closer. Yet we find that subtle, small voice The grace that says you know you need to change, you know you need to get back into soul winning, you know you need to be faithful in church. Even those thoughts are gifts from God drawing us to him because he loves us. He loves us. But love in words alone doesn't mean much. You can say you love me, stab me in the back. Get out your Pastor Devonshire voodoo doll and stab it with a thousand pins. Throw it in the microwave, throw it in the pot, boil it. Run it over in the the driveway. I'm not worried about that. The, The scripture says, a curse causeless shall not come. I really like to free some of you. Some of you, maybe you've been brought up under these ideas of of these curses. The curse that we experience as individuals is because of our sin. Sin brings a curse. Amen? But yet the blood of Christ is greater than that curse. And so if you're a Christian, you're a born-again believer, it doesn't matter how many curses and hexes and, and witches pray against you, do all that. God is greater than all of that. And you shouldn't be walking around in fear that somebody's got a, uh, a Brother Devin voodoo doll or, or somebody's got a red uh, uh, handkerchief with a knot tied in it or any of those things. You don't have to worry about that. Are you still with me? Love spoken only won't mean much. But God not only loved us, he showed us. Words without actions can be easily questioned. But I want you to see something this morning. He gave his very best. There's a history, whether or not it's true. I read it on the internet, so it must be true. Amen? Actually, I heard it years ago when I researched it to find out if it was true and came up with so many different variations of the story. I still don't know, but let me tell you the story. You can decide for yourself. It spoke of the the women of Weinberg Castle. And these particular women, they had been surrounded by an invading army. And the, the captain of the army was frustrated that the knights within the castle would not surrender and come out. And so they began to they began to get into this uh, discussion. And the captain said, we will let your women come out. And whatever they, whatever they want to bring out, any goods, that any of their most precious possessions, they are able to bring out and we will not accost them. And we will decide what to do with the men fighting us, most likely put them to death. And so the agreement was made. And it wasn't long until the castle doors opened up and they saw the women staggering out because each one was carrying 
their husband. And the captain said, wait a second, that's not what I said. And they said, but wait, wait. If we would only bring out our jewels and gold and leave our husbands behind, what good would that do? They are our most precious possessions. And that's, that's what Jesus did. He didn't just let us uh, uh, stay in a, a captive uh, hell and being under bondage, but he carried us out. But the thing that, that breaks down in this analogy is that Jesus went back and died for us. He was willing to suffer for us. God not only loved us, but he showed us. He gave us his best. Some acts of love are meaningful, but minor. Buying flowers for your wife is a good thing. You should do it. But just because you bought flowers doesn't mean that you actually love her. That may be a way to show it. And I'm not trying to undo things, ladies. Amen? Don't shoot me yet. Buying chocolate. Taking her out to a meal. Taking them to vacation. Buying them a purse or a ring. Those are meaningful. But still, in the scope of life, that's minor. <laughs> and you should be careful. So said the single man, amen? <laughs> Hopefully if you went, I, I like what one man said, if you go shopping on Black Friday, he said make sure you pay your electric bill first because the next Friday may be black for another reason, amen? <laughs> amen. True love is when a man says, I will take you to be my wife. I will love you. I will provide for you. You don't need to work outside the home. I will be your provider. I will protect you. I will make a lifelong commitment to you. So even when youth may fade and beautiful black hair turns gorgeous gray. Amen. And the hourglass figure, all the sand falls to the bottom. <laughs> I'm really getting in trouble now. But that lifelong commitment is what real love is about. A woman may say, I love you. But she shows it. Honey, you bring home the bacon and I'll cook it. You provide a house and I'll decorate it and clean it and make it a home. You um, you provide the protection and I'll make it a warm and loving place. There's a little portion in the, New, in the Old Testament about Josiah. Josiah was a good king. He was a good king. He led Judah doing a good thing. And then he got involved in another battle. A guy named Pharaoh Necho came over. He was going to fight next to Josiah in a place called Carchemish. Or Carchemish, however you want to pronounce it. And Josiah said, man, he's kind of coming over here. I'm going to go out there and fight against him. And Pharaoh came and told him, hey, Josiah, don't go over there and fight. That's not your battle. I'm not here against you. I'm just dealing with carcass. You just stay back there. Josiah didn't listen. And he went over there. And in that battle, he died. He died fighting a battle he shouldn't even have been in. And I think sometimes you look at marriages and you wonder, Why? Is that marriage dying because they're getting involved in a battle that they don't even belong in? Your main purpose when you get married, 
husband is to lay down your wife and lay down your life. <laughs> That's not a bad thing either, amen? <laughs> That's a good part of marriage. Anyhow, hey, you're smiling now, right? <laughs> I got you for 10 more minutes. Lay down your life for your wife. That's your main battle. The main battle for that woman is to lay down her life for her husband. More important than what everybody else thinks about your family, what does he think about it? More important than how you appear to everybody else, what does he think about it? That's your main purpose. Your main purpose isn't to, to look good on social media. Your main purpose isn't to get more followers or, or to have everybody ooh and ah about what you present to everybody else. Your main purpose is for that husband to say, man, I've got a good wife. She cleans and she cooks and she's faithful to me. She doesn't look upon another man. She prays for me. She watches. She encourages me. I've got a good wife. God not only loved us, but he proved his love. God gave his son Jesus. Jesus gave his life to us. And here's the part that we need to get to. But love was not only spoken and proved, it was applied. There's one small word in John 3.16. And it said, he said, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It did not say would not perish should not perish. That means that even though God loves you, you may perish if you don't apply that love. Even though you find yourself in a situation where God says, hey, listen, come to me. I'll help you out of it. It's not hopeless. It's not over. Come to me. I'll give you a path out of this mess. But you still have to come to him. There still has to be your part of the equation responding to the grace, responding to the love, responding to the mercy because God can love you and you can die and go to hell being loved by God. You can be in the deepest depths of a eternity lost and without God and yet be loved by God. And it's not God's fault because he made a way for you to come back. He made a way for you to be forgiven. He made a way for you to get out of your mess. But you've got to respond to it. A while ago, my washing machine, when it was done washing, the water would drip, 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 continue dripping into the washing machine. And I checked the knobs, everything was off, the cycle was supposed to be over. But it kept on dripping. So I jumped on Google, found out what was going on. They said, oh, you need to buy this valve. And that valve, it's failing because it's letting a little bit of water through. And so I spent the money, got on Amazon, spent the $70, got the valve. But in the meantime, the problem stopped. It didn't drip anymore. And so I've got that valve sitting there right there on the sink. Now I know that it's only a matter of time before that thing starts dripping again. And I've got the answer, but I haven't applied the answer. You know, it's easier to buy the part than it is to fix the problem. 
It's easier, it's easier to go out and buy the thing. It's hard to spend time, tear it all apart, take out the old one, put the new one in, do all the work that comes with it. And sometimes we do the same thing. We come to church. You're getting the part. You're getting the This is the truth. This is what you need to do. I need to come to Christ. I need to change. There's that little something inside of me, just like that ruler who came to Jesus saying, Lord, I've done this. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't lied. I've kept the commandments. What do I lack yet? Because he knew he lacked something. And sometimes we come to church and we say, all right, I've been saved or I've been born again. God wants me to do something more. And you're right. You're in the right place. God is beckoning us because it's not enough just to get saved. God wants us to be a part of his army doing something to reach others. And others come to church because they know something's wrong. There's a valve dripping in their life. And they get the part. Jesus' blood is the answer. But they never apply it. They never come to the altar and say, forgive me. Come into my life. And maybe because they think, well, I've tried before and I I won't be able to do it right. Or maybe they think God doesn't love me. That's why I was emphasizing at the beginning of the message, no matter if you've messed up, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've been involved in, God still loves you. Come to him. But the thing is, he loves you. He doesn't want you to die and go to hell. But you've got to apply the blood of Christ to your life and be changed. The way is paved. The road is prepared. The sacrifice has been offered. The deed is done. But you've got to do something with it. Listen, my time is up. Get ready, musicians. And the most important part of the service is coming up. I'm giving you the part. I'm presenting to you the answer. To repent, to turn from your sins, to come to Christ, to be changed, to, to have a new beginning. But you've, you've, got, you've got to do something with it. You've got to apply it to your life. How do I do that? Admit there's a problem. That nagging realization is the grace of God saying to you, Isn't it time you solve this? That that problem that you keep going back to, the addiction or the anger or the websites you shouldn't be involved in or that person that you keep reaching out to because you're lonely and you know it's not right but you just don't want to be alone anymore and you keep going out there, there's a God that you never have to be alone again. Something better in Christ if you come to Him. A proven love. Lastly, It was a love that was rewarded. He said they should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, one day this is going to be all over. I'm 54 years old. I read of the people that die. Just just a few days ago, two ladies died not too long from around here. Got into a car accident. A young guy was speeding down, hit their vehicle. His car flipped over. He was fine, but they both died. And I, I looked at it, and the one lady was 40-something. The other lady was 50-something. I thought, man, I could have been on grand. I could have been the one that was hit and gone off into eternity. They were both younger than I was. 
We don't know how much longer we have. Are you ready? There's an answer for you. There's forgiveness for you. There's salvation for you. If you just come to him. Would you bow your head, close your eyes?